everybody. Welcome to the Unscripted Wrestling Podcast. I am your humble, gracious host, uh, sexual white chocolate, <laughs> Daniel Hummer. And I am here with uh, my brother, uh, the champ that shits his pants. <laughs> uh, one of my favorite people on planet Earth, Doug. How we doing? I'm doing pretty good. How are you? I'm doing good. It's just the two of us. When did he shit his pants? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I'm farting all the time. So. Trying to make a rhyme there, buddy? Yeah. I'm trying my best. Yeah. Uh, that's all we can ask for. Nowadays. Good effort. Yeah. Fantastic effort. So we have our topic for today is the top 10 moments and matches of Lex Luger. Uh, we put in the old school group, and uh, we had some people vote, and, uh, and then we're, we uh, took away some of those options and put our own because they were shitty. <laughs> So that's what we did. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But we love the fans. We love our groups. Yeah. We're going to be starting something in the group soon. I'm going to do a greatest tag team of all time tournament, and I'm getting the group members involved. I got to go through and start filtering some of the choices. Yay. Uh, That's what happens when I look for a project. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, that's what happens. But, um... Yeah, so it, how we're going to do these uh, top ten moments and matches from now on is it's, I think we're going to do, like, our list. Because, mm-hmm. like, it's easier, and then, like, we can uh, talk about Because last week with the Boss Man episode, it was a great episode. Yeah. Mainly because I knew the majority in the moment. Yeah, you did. But, you know, my, my co-hosts, you know, Lenny and Squiggy, they had no fucking clue what. Yeah, I mean, I know most of the old Boss Man stuff, but it's also stuff that... Uh, did not really have a huge impact on me. As yeah. a youth. I've seen clips on YouTube of these things. It's a little different. I yeah. don't know. But uh, the Luger one, like, it's going to be more uh, stuff that, like, we knew. And uh, trust me, like, I've... And gen- found... genuine moments. Uh, to me, like, this is a real top ten now. Some of, like, there's boss man moments that are bigger than what was on that list. Yeah. So that's what kind of what we did here. We did it to make the list better. So now we have more genuine moments and not just a bunch of old stuff, which old stuff is great. We love old stuff. We have a group called Old School Wrestling. Yeah. Uh, that's the backbone of our thing here. But uh, we also want quality for a top 10 moments and matches. So that's yeah, what we want. Stuff that, you know, you want everybody to comment on except for – because nobody really wants to hear me yet for an hour and a half. Yeah, I mean, it's not even just that, but just like legitimate moments. Like they barely had one of Luger's biggest moments. Even on the list, it barely made the list. Yeah. And it should have been number one. So that's when we knew we had to kind of go back. But that's fine. Uh, we still have a lot of fan-voted stuff in there. Like seven of the ten things, we only threw a couple things in. So uh, we're going to go through the list. We're going to talk about it. And we're going to give you Lex Luger top ten moments and matches. Yeah. Before that, was there any news this week? Uh, So, um, obviously, everybody knows Paige is in uh, – AEW now, she's known as Soraya, uh, Soraya or what, or however the oh, hell. Oh, really? Yeah. Is she wrestling or no? Uh, not yet. Okay. I think she wants to, but uh, I don't know if that's actually going to happen or not. Now, uh, the news actually broke today. Bandito, okay. who uh, worked for, he was actually the last ring of, uh, last regular Ring of Honor world champion. Before they switched over to Jonathan Gresham, okay, you know pre when Sinclair Broadcasting owned the company, so this is before Tony bought it. Yeah, he wrestled Chris Jericho on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. 
Tony Khan was so impressed with the crowd reaction and how he worked with Jericho. They gave him a gig with AEW. That's awesome. He's working for AEW. He's going to work for AEW now. That's pretty cool. Oh, I love it. Like yeah. the fact that like, uh, and it proves that Jericho is still getting guys jobs. He is. Uh, but uh, let's see what else is uh, what else is happening. Oh, uh, it's been announced uh, for Extreme Rules next Saturday. Yeah, there's a WWE pay per view next Saturday night. Edge versus Finn Balor in an I Quit match. Oh shit, really? By the way, the first time ever that those guys have gone at it one on one. Edge and Finn Balor. I yeah. quit. And this I is quit. on Raw. No, it's going to be at Extreme Rules next Saturday. Extreme so. Rules. By the way, which is in Philadelphia. We're going. Uh, not as, not as, uh, well, I mean, if you want to pay $200 a ticket, probably, yeah. Yeah, we can do that. Yeah. Is it on Sunday? Saturday. Ooh. I'm just kidding. I'm planning, I'm planning on watching it, to yeah. be honest with you. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Bailey and Bianca Belair is going to be in a ladder match. Oh, that's sweet. So, uh I mean, that's pretty much the, the current stuff that's going on. Uh, I'll say this about, uh, you know, our, the person in our topic, Lex Luger. I've had the opportunity to meet Lex Luger before. Uh, a uh, family member of ours has a little bit of history with Lex Luger's family. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a little bit. Yeah. Well, it, Lex Luger grew up in Orchard Park, New York. Yes. Which is our neck of the woods. Mm-hmm. Uh, and his father owned a piano store. His yeah. father, of course, no longer with us. His mom's still alive, I believe, though, by the way. Is she? I Somebody told me she was. Because Lex does uh, meet and greets a lot. In, uh, or a couple, or like a few years ago, Lex actually did a meet and greet at the old, at, not the old, at the new uh, chapel. Oh, okay. Uh what is it called now? Like chapel at like Ridge? At Cross, chapel at Cross Point. Thank you. He did a meet and greet at a chapel? Yeah. That's interesting. Well, because he uh, goes, because, you know, he's born again Christian, thanks to Sting. Yeah. So he does a lot of uh, uh, guest speaking. Okay. So he guest speaks. And then he'll sit and he'll autograph stuff or whatever, or, you know, autograph stuff for fans. Uh K&S WrestleFest in, up, in upstate New York. They did a virtual signing with them. Okay. I wanted to get I wanted to get stuff from them, but yeah. the problem is, is that like the figures that they were going to have him sign they were charging like $150 a piece. Yeah, fuck that. Yeah. Uh, but uh, no, so he grew up in Orchard Park, New York. His father owns a piano store there. Uh, mine and Daniel's uh, father... Mm-hmm. Worked there for a couple of months back in 1998. Your mom also babysat one of his nephews or some one of his relatives. Really? Yes. Your mom was had babysat them. One of Luger's relatives? Yeah. There you go. And that, I think, was before your father was around. So what we're saying is I'm basically in Lex's will at this point. <laughs> we're basically family. Yeah. Uh... Did she ever? T- I don't know if she ever told us that or not. I, she might. I think she has told you that. Yeah. It, it makes sense she because she didn't give a fuck. Or I forgot. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, our family has quite the uh, 
history with uh, with the Lugers. Yeah, because <laughs> Lex does have a uh, Lex does have an older brother. Nice. Um, who actually worked at the piano store with his parents. Uh, and I remember uh, talking to Lex about that. I said, uh, um, I just said, you know, your dad worked, my dad worked at your dad's piano store. He goes, uh, he goes, I'm not surprised. A lot of people have worked there. He goes, I grew up in Orchard Park. That's awesome. So, and Lex is actually a very proud Buffalo native. He's yeah. a Bills fan. He's a Bills fan. He's a Sabres fan. Yeah. Uh. Always wears the the swag wherever he goes, awesome. so he's very proud of where he came from. Good, we're a good group. Well, and our football team's finally fucking good. Yeah, now the hockey team just has to go there. They went to a Stanley Cup like 15 years ago, right? Over 20, right, Sharon? Yeah, I believe so. Ah, uh-huh. uh, you were a baby. You baby. I. Um, oh, he was, yeah. Yeah, not you. I say, not me. I know what the one time was seventy seven. Was in the seventies. Yeah, and then they went. They went again they went, in ninety nine. Yeah, and isn't that when Dallas got the win? No, because didn't they go in the mid two thousands and they got no, they, fucked? They went to the playoffs in the mid two thousands. Dallas got the win, but they didn't really win. The the puck never actually went over the. Yeah, they got fucked. Yeah, yeah. but um, was because it, the team and everybody was on the ice already, they, the they officials don't. pretty much let them have it. That's so ass. Yeah. Was Danny Breer there back then? No, that was way before I think Breer's time. I liked him. We had the same name. Still do. Imagine that. Um, let's get into our main topic, Doug, whenever you get back over here. Uh, uh, we're doing Lex Luger's top 10 moments and matches. We're basically going through a list here, and we're going to talk about not only the matches, but the, the genuine moments that made this man the top star that he was. Yeah. And one of the most underrated people in the business, so let's give him his fucking due for once. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. And by the way, like, I'll say this. Uh, trying to get people to give me their favorite Luger matches and moments was fucking a chore. Because I thought you did already. <laughs> Feels like I didn't. Okay. He was crying when you were out there. Did you feed him? Yeah. Oh, keep going. Oh, that's what happens when you're live. Uh, all right. So, so, um. But, like, trying to get these people to fucking uh, give the Luger matches and moments because they're just like, oh, he didn't have any good moments. He didn't have any good moments. Really? They didn't think Luger had any good moments? Yeah. They're just like, and then, like, people were just like, oh, you know, the only person he could beat up was Miss Elizabeth. And which is controversial in itself because he was with Miss Elizabeth when she died. Right. Okay. So I was just, and by the way, those people are no longer part of the old school wrestling group. They were, uh, yeah, they were deleted. They were removed as soon as they said that, because I'm not putting up with that shit. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so 
like trying and you know it was a chore to try to get this together which is why i think from now on we're just gonna kind of do the list our way right yeah because what kind of a shitty take i know i'm tired of this man not getting his fucking due and we've talked about it on the podcast a lot wwe won't do it because he went somewhere else and was successful and that pisses them off maybe triple h will make him a documentary or something now they did the uh the biography on him okay so he finally got his due a little bit. Is he in the Hall of Fame? Not yet. I, he's got to be coming up soon. I mean, I don't know if they're going to induct him next year in Philly, but... It just feels like someone that was such a big star and drew so much money in, in different companies and was so big, maybe not the WWE or the WWF at the time, but he was like one of the biggest WWE stars, baby faces ever. Now, if we ever do a w, if we ever do a WCW countdown, which is something I want to do, like a WCW Superstars countdown, he's got to be in. Yeah. Like, no, he has to be. So the fact that he's done all that and all you ever hear is, oh, he had an attitude problem. It's like fuck you. Like, res- like you got to respect the if you really, really love not only the business but this form of entertainment, you got to respect the, like all all. Forms of it. And Lex Luger was wrestling at the highest level. Yeah. Uh, I know WWE was the show and all that, but he was the top babyface for a company that was fucking kicking their ass. And he was number one over them. He was contributing to them getting more ratings. It wasn't just the NWL. Right, it so was the guys fighting them, too. Back in, I think, late 96. Yeah. Okay. They were doing this NWO thing. And, uh, you know, obviously you would think your top baby faces are going to be, you know, Flair and Flair and Savage and Sting. Because those are the guys that are going to really carry the banner, right? For, for WCW. Flair had to have shoulder surgery. Savage was having enough and actually thinking about, because... What was actually going on in the company it was that Hogan was trying to get Savage and Elizabeth back together. Yeah. Hogan and Hogan's wife at the time were trying to get Savage and Elizabeth back together. It was driving Savage nuts. <laughs> like he couldn't handle it anymore. Yeah. So he was trying to negotiate to go back to Vince. Really? In late 96, uh, they took him off of TV after Halloween Havoc uh, because, one, he needed elbow surgery, and, two, he was also trying to, you know, he was exploring options elsewhere because he could not, he, he wanted to get the fuck away from Hogan. Yeah. You can't blame him. No, not Hogan at all. sucks. Yeah. So he's trying to get away from Hogan. They're doing this thing where they're taking Sting off of TV. It's out of the ring for a year because they want to build up this big storyline, you know, with the crow thing and all that. Yeah. So who does that leave as your top baby face? Yeah. Lex Luger. Yeah. They tried to bring Jeff Jarrett in and use him as the top baby face. Yeah. Uh, that worked, uh, that worked about as well as a, uh, never mind. Uh, it didn't work well at all. Yeah. Uh, because even they had him do the promo where he told Hogan to stick it. It was like, somebody gave a fuck. Who, Jarrett? Yeah. Yeah, he was never going to be the top baby. Yeah, no, so that wasn't going to happen, so it had to be Lex. And Lex was getting reactions. Yeah. And Lex he was, was the way getting ovations. Yeah. 
and he was just it, he was getting over, and we got a few moments on here where he got the most over. Yeah. And this was even like, and he was hot back from like eighty-seven to ninety too. Yeah, like, like that initial run. Yes, he was hot. He was huge in the NWA when it was him versus Flair. He was huge, and we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about the reasons why and stuff. Yeah. But the whole shit with the horse uh, that was all he's ever done for like WCW and NWA is print money. Yeah. So I I, I just think he gets a little disrespected, but. Uh, now that we got that out of the way, let's get into the list. At number 10, we have Luger and Sting versus Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard in the 1988 Crockett Cup. By the way, this uh, actually has a special place in my heart because this actually happened on my second birthday. Aw. April 23rd, 1988. You were baptized there. I don't know if I was baptized in... uh... Uh, but yeah, no, so the, the Crockett Cup, all right, so the Crockett Cup was a, uh, an annual tournament to kind of pay tribute to, uh, Jim Crockett Sr. And they started it in 86, and it was a tournament, and basically they were trying to bring, like, the majority of the companies together. Yeah. Like, it all started, like, you know, UWF Mid-South was part of it, Memphis was part of it. Uh, Montreal was part of it. Uh, Florida, obviously Crockett. I think Memphis threw some teams in. Yeah. Uh, Eighty-six. That probably would have been. Uh, AWA may still have had kind of a working relationship with them, so they they were there. I'm pretty sure. But by '88, the whole fucking thing was dying. Yeah. Now in '88, Lex Luger like. The week before this, Lex Luger, or maybe not even a week, I think just like days before, Lex Luger and Barry Windham were the world tag team champions. Yes. Barry Windham turned on Lex Luger to join the Horsemen, and they lost the tag titles back to Arn and Tully. Yes. Uh, Ron Garvin was supposed to be Sting's partner for this, and Lex Luger was supposed to be partner with Barry Windham. Well, Ron Garvin got the shit beat out of him by the horseman for the 58th time. So he, he was, quote-unquote, injured, had to leave, yeah. or, or, or couldn't be part of the tournament. Sting needed a partner. Luger needed a partner. So Crockett, so Dusty's just like, fuck, you know, they were together. Yeah. And the fitting match at the end was Iron and Tully versus Luger and Sting. Pretty dope. And Luger and Sting won. Matches on YouTube. Uh, Magnum TA pretty much helped Luger and Sting win the cup. By the way, the prize for winning that cup was a million bucks. Do you think they really got it? or I don't know. <laughs> I don't no, think actually, so. to be honest with you, at that point in time, Crockett was actually draw- drawing enough money to make a million dollars. I don't think he was giving it to one team, though. Uh, Rick might have got it. Uh, Rick so, always found a way to get a million bucks from them. So, is this one of the more iconic Crockett uh, Cup matches? I or? think it's one of the more memorable. Except for maybe the finals of the 86 Crockett Cup, where the Road Warriors beat Magnum and, Magnum and Garvin. Right. 
But I'm pretty sure this is one of the more memorable because they didn't do another one after this because Crockett, you know, went on to business later on in the year or they sold to, uh, to Turner. And, uh, yeah, because this was kind of like the beginning of Luger and Sting as, like, partners and friends. Yeah. This is when he kind of became the man, right? Yeah, because he had already turned against the horseman. Yeah. And that was a big angle. Yeah. Uh, which I think it's on the list, so we'll get to it later. Absolutely. Anything else on that or no? Uh, I mean, the NWA has technically brought back the Crockett Cup, but it's not like it was, like, years ago. Like, I would love to see, like, a tag team tournament with all the teams from all the different companies, kind of. Yeah, I remember watching the 86 or 85 one that we watched. Uh, we uh, we did 86. I remember we were actually doing some of the – I just remember the fabulous ones. Yeah, I remember – I think we got drunk and did the commentary with the sound off. I'm pretty sure we did. And that was fun. Uh, Sharon probably thought we were fucking idiots from upstairs, but that's okay. Yeah, well, it also didn't help that we were laying in bed together. Yeah. I wasn't going to throw that part. <laughs> All right. Number nine. Luger versus Rick Steiner for the WCW title, Clash of Champions 17. Okay. What, what year is this? 1991. Okay. Uh, so, I love certain two-year periods in wrestling. Okay. 1990 through 1992, both WWF and WCW is, like, one of them that I'm, like, a huge fan of. Then, of course, 96 through 98, WCW, and then, like, 99 through 2001, WWE. Yeah. And then you could probably even throw in, like, 2006 through 2008. Actually, no. I would say 2005 up till about 2007, WWE. Okay. And then, like, maybe 2006 through 2018. Okay. Uh, but, like, there's, like, certain, like, two-year periods where I just think, like, everything just kind of, like, loops together. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. So, anyway, so in 91, Lex Luger turned, uh, turned heel at the 1991 Great American Bash uh, because they needed another uh, baby, er, another heel champion because Ric Flair had said, fuck it, I'm out of here. <laughs> uh, so they gave it to Luger. And then Luger started on WCW Worldwide, started kind of a program with, with Rick Steiner. Then Lex Luger, because Rick was kind of wrestling singles matches on his own because Scott had torn his bicep. Yeah. Uh which they were supposed to run that as an angle on the Clash of Champions 15 uh, when Dick Slater and Dick Murdoch were supposed to come out and uh, basically give a reason for Scott to uh, for Scott to be written off TV, but they went out and they attacked Rick instead, so they injured the wrong so they quote unquote injured the wrong Steiner. Yeah. Uh, so, um, but, uh, so anyway, uh, so they do this thing on TV, Rick beats Luger in like a three minute match. 
Uh, and Luger's still wearing a suit. And uh, then they set it up with like, okay, he's going to have... Yeah, Luger was the heel here, right? Yeah. And it was him and Steiner for the U.S. title or no? World title at the cl- at, at the clash. That was for the world championship? Yeah. So Rick Steiner got a world championship match. He got a world championship match uh, on the same clash of champions where Rick Rude defeated Sting for the U.S. title. Ooh. It was actually a really good clash. Uh, and... So, they had that match. They went like 10 minutes. It was actually really good. Uh, Luger won. Luger won after hitting uh, Rick in the face with the belt. Absolutely. So, uh, but, uh, yeah, no, it was one of, it's one of those moments that were like, it was kind of a bright spot for WCW at that time. Yeah. No, I agree. Uh, especially in the... Early 90s. Like, they might not have been killing it, but the product was still good. The product was good. The problem was that they weren't drawing. No. They would get there a little later. You put crackers in pho? I did, yes. That's interesting. No, nothing wrong with it. Okay. Uh, all right, number eight? Number eight? Yeah. We have number eight. Lex Luger shows up on the debut episode of Nitro. Oh, my God. So, this is one of those moments that he is probably most known for. Yeah. Uh, All right. So, I'll preface this. He was working for the WWF as late as September 1st. 1995. This was on September 4th. Okay. That this Nitro happened. Uh, he wasn't... He was in a tag team with the British Bulldog. British Bulldog had gone heel. They really didn't know what they were going to do with him, and he hadn't re-signed the contract. Well, he lived in Atlanta, and they were telling him that, you know, because he was paying his own way. Yeah to fly from Atlanta to, you know, wherever they had to take. And so him and Sting were business partners at the time. They they operated a gym together. So he went to Sting. He's like, you know, is there any possible way, because is there any possible way, like, I could just come back? So Sting went to Bischoff. Bischoff said, looked at Sting and said, I absolutely love you. But I really don't want the castle back. Yeah. Uh, but so things like, no, come on, he's changed. He's one of my best friends. And uh, so he met with him. And to show how much he really did not want Luger to work there, he offered Luger just $100,000. Thing was making seven fifty. Yeah. A uh, hundred thousand. Yeah. That is, I mean, it's weak for uh, someone to Luger's caliber, but you got to remember that's spark plug money. That Sparky is, plug money. It's very is that, not very. I shouldn't say very horrible. He's a friend of the show. That's <laughs> Aldo Montoya money. He's just incredible. Okay. Yeah. Uh, 
No, and I agree. And Luger showed a lot of balls by taking that offer and saying, you know what, I'll be great. And yeah. he did. It just it bothers me that people still talk about him. Like and even like like Bischoff and he's like, all right, I guess I'll fucking let him. Be. It's like he made your company helped it. You know, he like he he did a lot for this business, and no one just wants to give him any credit. Yeah. I don't care if he was a dick or not. If he's a dick, he's a dick. If he didn't care about the business, he didn't care about the business. But what he did for the business still matters. Brock Lesnar doesn't care about the business, but he still made genuine moments. Yeah, I I will always stick up for the guys that just consider it work. Because even though we love it, that doesn't mean you have to fucking live, sleep, breathe, eat fucking jerk off to wrestling just because you do it if you if it's just work for you as long as you're really good at it you're really entertaining and that's how you make the living i don't see an issue with it. right like any other job now yeah, what's wrong with that i'll say this too they had raw was filming a new opening right yeah for, for the show yeah and uh they had filmed the open but they didn't include luger yeah pat patterson bitched about it really and said to him, we have to include the Luger. That's the worst pet. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Uh, so Vince went to Bruce and said, get Luger. Fill me opening with him. And Bruce looks at Vince and goes, uh, Vince, he hasn't even signed his contract yet. Doesn't matter. Just do it. All right, fine. So they filmed the opening with him. And this was, I think, on... Like, this was, like, close to, like, September 1st. And I think he worked a house show with the WWF on September 2nd. Yeah. And then on September 4th, he was, he showed up. And and when they saw that he showed up, which, by the way, the debut episode of Nitro had no competition because Raw got taken off or was off the air because of the U.S. Open. Okay. And, uh, like, they watched it and they saw Luger come out. And Bruce is just like, Bruce looked at Pat and Vince. He said, you know, we have to refilm that fucking open again then, right? And Pat's just like, oh, well, he's gone. And I'm just, I remember just watching. By the way, he showed up at the beginning of Ric Flair versus Sting, which was appropriate. And they were technically going to use him. Because uh, they had to use him, they needed a replacement because stuff had gone down. Vader had been fired, so pretty much Luger got Vader's spot. Yeah, and they wanted a nice pop or something. Yeah, they needed they needed a shocking moment, and that was one. Yeah, just seeing him in that white shirt, the button down, show up, and Hulk's looking at him and stuff. It was a big moment. Yeah, and it was kind of the first thing that's like, oh, we should take Nitro serious. Exactly. So, yeah, you got to give it to Luger on that one. I think his debut is one of the best, especially because Nitro would have a shit ton of more debuts from WWE people later and later. I think this is one of the better ones. Well, yeah, because nobody knew Luger was leaving. But everybody knew Scott Hall was leaving. Everybody knew Kevin Nash was leaving. Yeah. That's why they had themselves a big, uh, you know, a big rubbing, rubbing tug. Uh, in the middle of a fucking steel cage at Madison Square Garden. Yeah. Okay. The MSG no, incident. Yeah. Nobody knew Lex was leaving. Yeah. Like one, two, three. And Sean Waltman still says to this day, he's like, I rode with, I rode with Luger. He's like, I rode with Luger the night before. He didn't say a fucking thing. 
He goes, I rode in the car with him and we rode back to the hotel. He never said, oh, yeah, by the way, this is my last night, which I'm sure pissed Kid off because that would have meant he would have had to find a different ride. Because I'm pretty sure Luger paid for everything. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, I, I really enjoyed this. I, I think that first episode, that first episode of Nitro is one of my favorites. Yeah. And Luger's one of the reasons. All right. Number seven, we're going to go to Luger versus Bret Hart, August 10th for the U.S. title in 1998, episode of Nitro. Okay. Uh, uh, this was two days after Road Wild. Yeah, let's preface this. He's in the Wolf Pack at this point. Lex is in the Wolf Pack. Bret Hart is NWO Hollywood. Which is weird, right? Yeah. Uh, but they're also running a storyline where Bret Hart respects, using air quotes, Sting. Yeah. And, like, you know, he wants to be Sting's friend and all that. Yeah. Sting really wants nothing to do with him. Yeah. Now, the week before... Lex and Sting were scheduled to challenge Scott Hall and the Giant for the World Tag Titles. Lex got taken out. Everybody feels like Bret Hart did it, but then Bret Hart uh, uh, volunteered to be Sting's partner. They won the match and the belts, but then Bret let the referee know. He's like, oh, hey, just so you know, like I hit Scott Hall with the title or yeah. with, with the bat, so don't give us the belt. Uh <laughs> So they did this thing, and it was actually a match that was actually supposed to be on Thunder that following Thursday. Okay. But they did an interview, and Brett said, all right, I'll, I'll wrestle you tonight. Like, I'll end your career tonight. Because Brett was at that point, too, where he was injuring guys. He put Booker T on the shelf. He put Benoit on the shelf. Storyline-wise. Storyline-wise, yeah. I mean, they were hurt, but it wasn't necessarily because of him. Yeah. So they do this match. Uh, and Lex won. It was a really good match. I it remember was a this fantastic one. match. It was better than the return because he lo- loses the title a day later on Thunder. Yeah, that following Thursday when the match was supposed to happen. Yeah, they do it and he DDTs Lex on a chair or something like this. Like, why give Lex the fucking title? If you're gonna- yeah, because it's the second year in a row that they do this. They give Luger a title, then they make him lose it right away. Yeah, it's fucking stupid. It's like. And I keep getting more pissed talking about it because it's like no one ever appreciated him <laughs> or believed in him. It's like he was the guy for them for a while. And uh, in in the Wolf Pack, uh, you right, Peanut? In the Wolf Pack, he, when he beat Brett uh, at, uh, or on Nitro, that, that's his fifth championship reign for the U.S. title. It's and he tied the record yeah. at the time. Yeah. Because, by the way, he's actually considered to be, and a few people, the people that weren't shit-talking him in the old school group were actually saying this, he's considered to be probably the greatest United States champion of all time. And that's pretty illustrious, because that belt's been around for a long time. Yeah. Well, he's one of the, I think he's one of the longest reigning. Yeah. Because his, his, his second run with that, uh, with that championship was uh, ran from uh, May of 89 through October of 1990. Okay. 
So that's about a uh, 17-month run with that championship belt, which was really unheard of, especially back in WCW. Yeah. Back in the in the Jim Hurd days, because Hurd had no idea what the fuck he was doing. Because he's an idiot. <laughs> but, uh... But, yeah, so, no, that... Yeah, that match, I, like, I love that match. And I actually, like actually do like that night. That string of nitros in August of 98 were actually really good. Really? Yeah, I thought so. Uh, I didn't like any of the ones in July, but I like the ones in uh, in August. I mean, I do have a soft spot for the wolf black and white feud. Because yeah, I know, thought it was a good idea. They actually ran for a while that Lex Luger was the head of recruitment yeah. for, uh, for the wolf pack. It was like a three-week thing because he got Sting in. Yeah, because they were homies. Yeah. And then he was trying to get Dallas Page in, and Dallas Page was going to join them until Hogan and Robin beat the shit out of him with the chair. And then, like, after... Because at one point, like, the Wolf Pack would have been, had Savage not gotten hurt, but Savage's knee was, like, shit. Yeah. Like, the Wolf Pack at one point was Sting, Luger, Savage, Nash... And Conan. One of these things just yeah. doesn't belong here. Well, and like, even for like a couple weeks when Sting joined up, it was Sting, Luger, Savage, Nash, Conan, Kurt Henning, and Rick Rude. Yeah. And then Henning and Rude revealed that, fuck it, we're going back to the black and white because this shit ain't going to stick. Yeah. But yeah, it was like those four guys. And then when Savage got hurt, it was Luger, Sting, Nash, and Conan. But yeah, like Conan being in with all that talent. And Conan was good and talented, don't get me wrong, but you got a bunch of main event guys. There. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and Lex was a cool part. I remember seeing, as much as people think that Sting should not have been in the NWO, and I understand, him with the red face paint was fucking cool. Him in the red face paint was like something, because he's been known for that colorful face paint for for years. Yeah. So him going back to the red was very nice. Oh, yeah. I loved it. Exactly. You loved it. All right. You ready? Yeah. Sure? Yeah. Number six, we're going to go Wrestle War 1990 versus Ric Flair. Oh, one of his better matches. I remember Probably one of his greatest matches. Yes. 40 minutes and a match that had to get uh, that had to get changed 3 weeks before. Yep. All right. So story here, Sting wins the Iron the Iron Man tournament uh at Starcade 9 at Starcade 89 to get the shot. Sting was also a member of a, a member of the Horsemen at the time. Oh my god, I forgot about that. So at Clash of Champions 10, Texas Shootout, they do this interview, and uh, Ole Anderson would not let anybody else talk. Really? Because Sting's trying to explain himself. He says, shut up, let me talk. So then Flair gets on the microphone. It's like, look, Sting, it goes like this. He go, And Ole looks at Rick and goes, champ, I got this. 
And it's like, somebody please just hit this motherfucker in the mouth. Is anyone like, Oli, nobody likes you. Go away. I don't think they did say that. Arn Anderson, I don't think, got a fucking word in. So they turn they turn on Sting, and then later on in the night, it's Flair, Oli, and Arn versus the Dragon Master, the Great Muda, and Buzz Sawyer in a cage. Yep. Sting was supposed to join them, but then because they kicked him out of the horseman, Oli ended up getting put in the tights on, which at his age, he should not have done. Uh, so during the match, Sting comes out, and the spot is he's supposed to climb the cage, but, like, they're supposed to, you know, kind of just drag him off the cage and, like, hold him back. Yeah. Well, Doug Dillinger, the head of security, that donut eating doofus. I swear to God, most people named Doug are dipshits. Oh, I agree. Uh, um. So he he grabs the back of Sting's jeans and yanks him off the cage. That's awesome. Now, you're supposed... Like, the deal was you're supposed to get him off the cage. Like, you're supposed to pull him off, but you're supposed to do it gently. Yes. But because Doug Dillinger didn't know how to do that, he yanked him off the cage. Sting landed, planted his foot wrong, tore his patella. It tore his patella? Yeah. Because Doug Dillinger is an idiot. Is he? Oh, my God. How the hell that idiot ended up... (laughs) Excuse me. Bless you. Thank you. Had a job for so long. With first of all, in like older episodes or in like uh, older episodes of WCW Monday Night, so there were times where I just wanted people to just to beat the fucking shit out of him. Like when he would try to restrain somebody, I was like, hit this old fucker. He looks like he's seventy five. He can't really do anything. <sighs> fucking moron. Right. Uh. So he gets hurt, or Sting gets hurt, and then they're just like, oh. Fuck, what are we going to do? And then Luger or Flair looks at Jim Cornette and Kevin Sullivan and says, we have no choice. We have to switch Luger because there's nobody else. So they turn Luger babyface. So instead of getting the Lex Luger versus Dr. Death Steve Williams uh, match for the U.S. title at Wrestle War that we were supposed to get, uh, we get Lex Luger versus Ric Flair for the world title. By the way, Dr. Death was so pissed off that he wasn't getting the title shot that he left the fucking company. Really? Yeah. That's fucked. Yeah. So, uh, well, they treated him better in Japan anyway. Now, this Wrestle War was called Wild Thing, right? Correct. That's kind of funny. And what was funny is that, like, people say that Lex Luger grew up in that match. Because he had flair in the rack, but because uh, the Andersons were attacking Sting, who went to ringside and fired Luger up, Luger took uh, let flair out of the rack and then went out and attacked the Andersons and actually got himself counted out. That's crazy. So he came to Sting's aid. Oh, that's very sweet. And it... it Really started a hell of a babyface run for Lex. Yeah, I mean I can imagine, and, and that title and the fact that Terry Funk was on commentary for it. Oh my god, that was awesome. But uh, 
No, I really liked it. I uh, I don't know why they didn't just give him the belt around this time, though. You know what I mean? They tried. Why didn't they do it? Uh, Flair said no. Because <laughs> I, I like the cage match, too. Yeah, well, the cage match could have been better. Because also, too, Luger was just uh, Luger had just been released from the hospital that day. Yeah. Luger had a staph infection in his leg. He had to spend 17 days in the hospital. So they ju- he just got released that day. He had like a 102-degree temperature, but he, had to do, he wanted to do the match. Yeah. And they're just like, dude, you're like half dead. He's like, no, I'm fine. And, all right, so in March of 1990, they were doing a show in Chicago at the UT, uh, UTC uh, Arena or, or some pavilion or whatever. They, uh, one of the smaller uh, yeah. arenas. It actually was owned by uh, Bruce MacArthur. Okay. That's where the uh, the Bulls and the Nighthawks or, and the Blackhawks play. Yeah. Uh, it's called the United Center now. Right. So – or it was back in the 90s. I just don't know what the fuck it's called now. Anyway, so uh, they were going to do a match. They flew in a camera crew because Flair and Jim Hurd wanted to kill each other. And so Jim Hurd's just like, fuck it. We're going to take the belt off Flair. We're going to give it to Luger. So we're just like, okay. Right, so Flair gets to the building and goes, What's with all the camera? What's what's with the camera crew? It's the house show. Yeah. And uh, somebody went up to him. Obi went up to him and said, "Oh yeah, you're going to drop the belt to uh, you're going to drop the belt to Luger tonight." Or no, Jim Hurd said to him, "He goes, oh yeah, you're dropping the belt to Luger." He looks at uh, or actually no, it was Obi. He looked at Obi and said, "Fuck you," and he. Well, Rick, come on. Like, you and Hurd are not getting along. So then Jim Hurd was actually there because Hurd wanted to be there to present Luger the title and all that. Yeah. And he's just like, oh, you're going to drop the title. He goes, fuck him. No, I'm not dropping the title. <laughs> and Flair's just like, I'll tell you what, I'll drop the fucking title if you let me out of my fucking contract because I hate your fucking ass. <laughs> and Hurd's just like, oh, no, because you're going to go up north and, you know, I can't have that. He goes, all right, so then if I'm here, I'm going to be the fucking champion. So, Until Sting's ready. Heard was in the. Heard was in charge here. Yes. That's weird. Oh my. It's okay. See, even Missy doesn't get it. Uh, she gets it. But no, it was like it was so weird. Like, like Flair had made the promise to Sting that Sting was going to get the title, but they really wanted to capitalize on Luger. But Flair didn't think Luger could draw, unless it was with him. So, I mean, that's why. But, yeah, like, Jim Hurd tried. Well, at least he tried to do one good thing. And then there was a, a, that, you know, that Wrestle War match that we, were, uh, that we were just talking about. Like, Jim Hurd wanted Flair to drop the title to Luger then. But Flair wouldn't do it because that was actually Flair's birthday. Really? He's like, I'm not dropping the title on my fucking birthday. <laughs> yeah, he was... Uh... I guess when you're a big deal, you can act like that. Well, and the thing is, too, he was actually the head of the booking committee until, uh, until like, that afternoon. Yeah. Because then he just, he said to Hurd, he's just like, I can't take it anymore with you. 
You are a pain in my ass. I'm done. Yeah. And then Oli got the job. And and then he said something about Oli smoking dope. Yeah. Uh, no, I thought this was a great match. I think Luger should have won. Yeah. But uh, it was one of the only non-tag team matches on the card. And uh, this was a very good card, and it was a good way to close it out, too. I'd yeah. Say. I think the only other non-tag team match on this card wasn't that uh... – it was uh, and Norman and Cactus, right? Yeah, Norman and Cactus. Oh my god, you and me. But uh, yeah, this was a damn good, damn good match. Which one's Norman? We're not going to talk about it. All right. All right, number five, the big body slam on Yokozuna on the Intrepid. 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 Uh, in 1993. July. July 4th. Uh, this was when uh, they were doing the body slam challenge for Yoko. No one could body slam Yoko. No one could do it. Yeah. And uh, this was also when Lex had that cool theme song. Eh, what's that song called? I'll Be Your Hero. I'll Be Your Hero. Well, they developed it after. I'll Be Your Hero. Yeah, it was they, really good. Yeah, they developed it like after when they did the uh, the video package for him when he was on the Lexus. Rest. Yeah, because like that the, bus was pretty cool. I don't care how corny people thought it was. The Lex Express was kind of badass. You remember the uh, Camp WWE show? No. That they did on uh, the network for a while. Oh yeah, yeah. Adult animated show. Yeah, yeah. They actually did a a segment on there where Lex actually drove drove the bus. That's funny. Like. And uh, Vince was trying to get on the bus, so Stone Cold Steve Austin actually blew the bus up and killed Luger. <laughs> oh, nice. Man, he doesn't get any respect. No. I'm uh, saying it's fucking bullshit. But, uh, yeah. Clint hasn't tried to call in, right? Who knows? No, yes. All right. Uh, no, but the Lex Express is fucking cool. Yeah, no, I loved it. And then this whole thing... All right, so they not only had wrestlers try to body slam Yoko, but football players, hockey players, everybody was trying to body slam him. Yeah. But nobody could get him up. So then when Luger came in, because Luger came in via chopper. Yes, which is fucking cool. Yeah. This is when they really wanted him to be the next Hulk. Yeah, and by the way, this was his babyface turn, because it was like just a week prior, he was still a heel. Yeah, which... If they would have done that better, I think it would have worked. It's just you can't have him come in as the narcissist and then switch it right away. You just can't. You have to have a slow burn. Either one of them could have worked. That's my problem with it because I think he could have been a hero, but he could have also been the the narcissist kind of douchebag character, and uh, they they just couldn't decide which one they wanted, and they never really got either. And, And I think WWE fumbled the bag on that one. When they try to act like it was Lex's fault, I don't think it was. I think it was WWF's fault. Lex should have been a huge star in WWF. He didn't need to be another Hogan, but he could have been something way bigger than what he was. Oh, no, 100%. It could have been as the nerd. He could have been the top heel working with Brett. Why not? 100% agreement on that. Yeah. And the whole fucking muddiness with the rumble and everything. It's just no one ever really just gave this guy his moment. I mean, his moment does come later on or number one, but it's just, it's always like fucky shit. It's like macho. It feels like everything around him is just fucky because of people putting the shit together. 
And uh, yeah, this wasn't supposed to be a hit piece, but it's, it's turning into one because uh, it's just kind of bullshit. But this was out of all the moments, and we have another WWF moment right after this. This is probably one of his biggest things yeah. that people still talk about. People still talk about it, and like they fumbled with the SummerSlam match. Yeah. Because that would have been, like, huge. Yeah. It would have been real huge. Yeah. You know what I mean? Exactly. Uh, yeah, just seeing him being able to do it, and then it launched him and the shit, and he needed that. So, that was huge. Yeah. All right. Well, let's go right into number four, and that's Royal Rumble 94, where he's the co-winner with Bret Hart. First time it's ever happened. Oh, God. Did we cover this show? I don't remember. We do this thing a lot. I don't know. We didn't cover it. We rebooked it, I think. Okay. Uh, I don't know. We've done so many Mm -hmm. shows. Uh, But uh, we do so many shows a week. It was a good good, uh, Royal Rumble. I do think there should have been one definitive winner. Which was supposed to be Luger. Yeah, but then they get a little... Iffy last minute or Okay, so January first, nineteen ninety four. The plan is Undertaker wins the title from Yokozuna at Royal Rumble in the Cassie match because they need to send Yoko to Fat Camp because it it's getting ridiculous. Yeah. Like they're like, dude, you gotta do something. We don't care if it's lipo, we don't it like get you're too fucking fat. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, this guy's basically making Eric Cartman look like a bikini model. Uh, right. So they're just like, all right, so we're going to put the title on Taker. Yeah. But Undertaker is also having a bad back. He's like, I, it, my back hurts. I can't carry this fucking company. <laughs> so they're like, all right, but you're, so you'll hold it for about a month. And then February rolls around, you're going to drop it to Ludwig Borga. And then uh, Lex will win the Royal Rumble. We'll get Borga versus Luger, main event of WrestleMania. Luger wins the title. He finally gets that run. Yeah. We're good. So then uh, Brett was still very popular. Yeah. Lex wasn't necessarily getting the babyface reactions that everybody wanted him to get. Yeah. Under- and the company's failing right now. This is new generation. The company's not doing well. Yeah, because plus also, too, Vince knows that he's going to have to go on trial soon, and he's pretty sure he's going to jail. Yeah. Um, so a lot of things are happening. Yeah. What was he going to jail for? The steroid thing. Yeah. Oh. It was huge. So, like, they pretty sure pretty sure he was going to jail, and they had two options as to what was going to – Vince was either going to book the jail from prison and – Pritchard was going to come get the booking sheets during the conjugal visit, or uh, or Terry Jarrett was just going to take over the company. Yeah. Like, those were the two actual... I mean, I don't know if Bruce was actually going for a conjugal visit or not, but uh, just seemed That's to... That's crazy. Bruce going for a conjugal visit? I think that would have been common. Oh, no. Uh, him, booking in, him booking the company from prison, yeah. And Jerry Jarrett taking over. So oh, that, yeah. To me, that's crazier than Brett. Yeah. But so 
but what was going on, what happened was Undertaker's back problems were getting worse. So uh, he's just like, I, I can't do it. Like, I, I got to leave now. Yokozuna did not want to go to fast camp. And to be honest with you, when you're 600 pounds, you're not going to fucking force somebody to get in a car and go to fast camp. Not when they're fat ass and they probably actually break down the car just by sitting in the fucking thing. So that was kind of negating that. And plus also the week before the Royal Rumble at a Madison Square Garden show, Ludwig Borger broke his ankle. So that really fucked things up. Yeah. Well, Vince, then Luger was not getting the crowd reaction. So they're like, you know what? Fuck it. We'll have Brett win the title. Or actually, no, it was the, they were still kind of counting on giving it to Luger. Good. So that's why they had the co-winner. So they do the co-winner. And then uh, both the guys win. And it's still planned that Luger's going to be champion. Because then they're going to have Kurt Henning come back. And it's going to be this whole thing where, like, uh, you know, Kurt Henning is going to be wrestling Luger for the title and all that. Well, they were going to do a European tour after WrestleMania, the WrestleMania Revenge Tour. Yeah. And obviously overseas. Nobody sold more tickets at that time overseas than Brett. So Vince is just like, again, this is pre-trial. Yeah. Vince is just like, you know what? Fuck it. Brett will, well, we'll sell more tickets with Brett as champion. So Lex, fuck you. <laughs> Poor Lex. So it sucked. Yeah. But, and then he didn't even really get the feel with Kurt Henning because Kurt Henning was negotiating with WCW. Yeah. To be the masked man that attacked Hogan. Yeah. So Luger didn't really get a shine. No. But the match was good. Oh, no. It was a, it was a real fun Royal Rumble. Is there a clear foot that hit the ground? You know who's... If Lex's foot actually hit the ground first. Okay. Because I don't, like... To me, it's hard to fucky... To fuck with that type of finish. Because I feel like a, one foot's going to hit the ground before that. It's very hard to time and make it look real like it, you didn't time it. Well... I mean, they did technically make it look real because it was real in 2005 when Batista and Cena did it. Well, yeah, but that was, like, legitimate. They, yeah. They didn't think that wasn't supposed to be the way that it went. Right. So. No, but uh, and, and that, was, that was hilarious, too. And then Vince comes out and fucking tears both quads. Yeah, and just sits on his ass in the middle of the ring barking at people. That shit was hilarious. But no, this was a really good uh, Royal Rumble. Uh, it kind of is the beginning of Luger getting a screw job here, but it was a good and it was a good moment, so it deserves to be on the list. Why was he the only one taking the fall for um, steroids? Vince? No, Luger. No, Luger no, had nothing wasn't. to do with it. I thought you said he was going to jail for no, steroids. Uh, no, Luger. Or no, I Vince. Mean Vince. Oh, Vince, Vince was going. Okay. Yeah. yeah, no, this was a whole... Because everyone was getting, like, pop for it. And they were... Because that's back when they didn't test either. Right, okay. So it was a big epidemic with sports and baseball and everything, and Vince was coming under fire. 
Gotcha. Uh, Alright, let's go to our number three. Yeah. Luger and Giant versus Hoger, Hoger, Hogan and Rodman at Bash at the Beach 97. Now, we covered this. Yes, we did. We did do Bash at the Beach 97. Yeah. I love this match. I love that whole pay-per-view. It's so good. Okay. Yeah. Uh, this match, to me, belongs on this list because Dennis Rodman... He proved he can go. He proved he can go. He was probably the best pure athlete in the match. Yeah. And him yeah, and... That's the funny part. Yeah. And, but, like, Luger and Giant can hold their own. And Luger and Giant, by the way, were over. Yeah. No, they were. They were hugely over. Yeah. This was a big match. And Hogan and Rodman did that a couple times. Like, they did the Leno stuff. They did the the Malone and DDP. Yeah. I think this was the best tag match that they were in, though. Yeah, and by the way, Dennis Rodman proved in 1999 that he could not wrestle a match by himself. Yeah. Because when he wrestled uh, Macho Man at World Wild 99, that match was, oh, my God. He didn't need to be wrestling, though. But he was good in the tag matches with Hogan, yeah. and this was awesome. And Luger hitting – who do you get with the rack? Hogan at the end there? Yeah, he racked Hogan and got the win. Seeing him rack Hogan is always amazing, yeah. no matter how weird that sounds. But uh, <laughs> uh, him, but the torture rack is one of my favorite finishing moves, and I like how you don't tap. You have to wave yeah. to, to be done. Uh, I always thought that was cool and inventive. And uh, him and the Giant were a good team. The Giant was really, like – you could tell that he was coming into his own there, Big Show was. Yeah, because uh, he was starting to work matches uh, for, like, longer than, like, two minutes. Yeah. This one's 22. And uh, the right guys won. I'm glad Hogan and Dennis didn't get the win. And uh, it was a big moment for Luger and Giant. So. Yeah. It was a huge moment for him. Yeah. And it really cements that, like, they really should have treated their baby faces a bit better. They were Bischoff was so all in on the end of UO. I think he forgot about his babies. Oh, uh, him and Conrad just did an episode on Fall Brawl '97, and Conrad took him the task for the finish of the War Games. Yeah, because he's just like, dude, I understand. Like, if the NWO team, like, he goes, I don't like the fact that like our, you know, Arn Anderson or like the Horsemen didn't get. Uh, revenge for like them parroting Aaron Anderson and all that. He goes, yeah. but I could have understood it if the NWO team was like uh, Hogan, Hall, Nash, and Savage. But your NWO team was Nash, Six, Con- Conan, and Bagwell. <laughs> he looked. He said to Eric, he said, "What the fuck?" And Bischoff's trying to justify it. That's funny. No, but. This is like they really had everyone acts like Goldberg was the only baby face when you had Luger, you had Piper, you had Giant, you had DDP, you had Macho in some spots before he joined NWO. Sting. Yeah, obviously the the probably the best one. Rick and Scott. You had heel or you had baby faces and you had a lot of them and they were over. So I, I, I get putting all the eggs in the NWO basket because it was huge and they were cool heels. But your baby faces were getting cheered. Yeah. When we get to the number one, that was one of the biggest pops I've ever fucking heard in my life. Exactly. So they were getting cheered. Uh, and they did here, too, when he had him in the ring. Even against a really, you know, 
uh, esteemed professional athlete in Dennis Rodman, who was kind of a love-to-hate-him type guy, but still. All right, let's go to number two. Lex Luger turns against the Four Horsemen. Probably, this does deserve to be the second biggest moment, because this made him a star. Right, which, by the way, this technically happened in a uh, bunkhouse. Okay. So, a bunkhouse battle. All right, so for anybody that doesn't know, I kind of explained it last week, because one of the Ray Trailer moments had something to do with the bunkhouse. Yeah. Uh, so, the bunkhouse stampede was something Dusty had come up with. It was kind of like a come dress as you are battle royal. They did like a whole series of battle royals. And then like the guys that won like the most battle royals. And then like you get like a cash prize. Yeah. So like however much money, like the guys with, that won like the most amount of money or the most amount of bunkhouses would then meet up in this big like final bunkhouse. Yeah. Well, in one of the bunkhouses leading up, uh, it came down to Art Anderson, Tully Blanchard, J.J. Dillon, Lex Luger, and Ricky Santana. Oh, shit. Lex Luger eliminates Ricky Santana. And J.J.'s just like, guys, let me have this one. I want money. Art and Tully are like, all right, cool. They jump over the top rope. Luger says, so he goes to give Luger the double high five. Luger's just like, nah, I don't think so. Kicks J.J. Dillon in the gut and throws him over the top rope. That's nuts. And then afterwards, Arn and Tully go to attack him, and he starts beating the crap out of the guys. And he's got Arn in the rack until Tully hits him in the knee with the baseball bat. Really? Yeah. And that's technically because there was already bad blood between him and J.J. because uh, Luger wrestled Dusty at the – 87 Starcade. Yeah. And uh, he, um, Dusty's career was on the line. Yeah. Dusty either had to win the U.S. title in the cage or get, uh, or, you know, he retired, or he had to retire. And Dusty won. And Dusty won, and J.J. was already pissed. And uh, so, anyway, afterwards, um, like there was already tension and then Luger's just like, you know what? Yeah, I could do better than this. Yeah. So that's when he turned on. I mean, he got beat up after, but it was still like a huge moment. Yeah. No, it's the biggest moment. Yeah. It's the biggest moment at that time. Cause you knew that Lex was going to start drawing. Like, cause when you go against the horsemen, especially going against Flair, you're going to draw major money. Then I think he draws some of the most back in that day. I think at that time he was drawing pretty huge because everybody got tired of seeing Flair versus Nikita. Yeah. And Flair versus Dusty. And I think Luger kind of being in the horseman then breaking off and going against him was kind of this perfect story. Yeah. So it, it really worked. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, 100%. All right. It's just nuts to me he never won the title from Flair. I just I I don't necessarily. I mean, I think it should have happened, but I think there was also. Uh, I just don't. I don't know why Dusty didn't see. Yeah. Me either. All right, number one. 
Lex Luger, drum roll. Lex, Lex Luger's greatest moment is when he beat Hulk Hogan for the WCW title in uh, 1997. August 4th, 1997. Something else we've also covered. Yes, we have talked about this, but this truly is his crowning moment. Even though he didn't hold the belt for very long, and we've told the story, it's because Sting was like, what the fuck? I need it uh, for Starcade. He didn't want it to ruin the moment. And this was all Scott Hall's idea. He's like, just put the belt on Luger. Scott Hall and, well, Kevin Nash also says that he chimed in, too. Yeah, of course he does, fucking glory-hungry fuck. Yeah. No, like, well, because they're just like, because they, they're like, all right, look, because they went to Bischoff about it, and they're like, Eric, this guy is so hot right now. Yeah. Like, and you you want to do something special. It's the 100th episode of Nitro. It is. You're going to do three hours. Put yeah. the fucking belt on him. And then Lex had even said, he's like, I'll drop it to Hogan the next, like, because Lex really didn't want to run with it. Yeah. Like, he was okay with the moment. Lex is more of a moment guy than a run guy. Yeah. Uh, so he's just like, I'll do, uh, I'll do it. Like I'll win it, but then I'll drop it back there. Cause Lex was also a company guy. Yeah. And Hulk had even said, cause Hulk was even considering to, uh, why doesn't he just hold on to it? to like Halloween Havoc. I'll get it back from men or something like that. Or let's ha- give him like a little bit of a run, but sting through a tantrum. Even though that's his friend. That's yeah. the funny part. It's funny and fucked up, and I love Sting. Yeah. He's notoriously been a diva, too, though. Many times. Yeah. Like, they always call him, like, the ultimate company guy. Yeah, but he has been a diva. Yeah. Uh, No, but this was huge. Like, again, having Hogan in the torture rack and him waving for the referee and it's over and the crowd's fucking going nuts. To me, this was, like, as big as Goldberg's win. Yeah. And it was just, like, it was like the Super Bowl, and everyone's fucking going crazy. WCW's loving it, and Lex finally fucking did did it, you know? And, and by the way, like, the rating, because by the way, the WWF was trying something new here. Well, because they, they switched uh, times. Because, you know, they were doing the two hours. They were always going from 8 to 10 to try to, uh, you know, combat the WCW because they wanted to go head-to-head. Well, then they started to realize it's just like there's no going head to head with these fuckers. Yeah. So let's start an hour later. So that way we only compete with them for an hour. And then we have an hour of. uh, And then we have an hour by ourselves where we can or we don't have to compete. They didn't know that Nitro was going three hours that night. That's crazy. So. Like they tried, they they tried to find a loophole, but Bishop's just like we're going three hours. They're just me. <laughs> oh, I'm not sure he did that. Me, me. He probably did. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> like back in those uh, back in those days, like Bishop was looking for every which way to basically stick it to Vince. Yeah, it was fun. It yeah. didn't turn out well, <laughs> but it was fun while it lasted. It was a fun period of time, though. It really was. And this is his second, you know, WCW title because he held it in 91. Yeah. And uh, and then he – did he drop it to Ron or Vader dropped it to Ron? He dropped it to Sting. Okay. That's Super Raw too. Okay. Uh, which was actually his last appearance with the company. Gotcha. At that point. Gotcha. But uh, 
here it was just it was an amazing moment. I can still watch it on YouTube and get something out of it, feel the chills because it was such a genuine moment and the guy deserved it and WCW deserved it after NWO giving him hell. I know they they I mean it, that was Sting's moment too at Starcade, but this to me even meant more. Well, it was on the flagship you, program. You know why it meant more? Why? Because nobody fucked with it. Yeah. Right, and the, the whole Sting moment, Hogan fucked with. Yeah, it didn't work for him, brother. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, it's because like he felt like Sting. Uh, rumor has it is that Sting showed up to the building out of shape. And when I say out of shape, that means he didn't use he didn't get tanned. Oh, okay. Okay, that's the problem. That was the issue Hogan had. Where do you need to be tanned? I don't know. Uh, I just think it was more the fact that Hogan's guy used to having a belt, so he's like, you know what, fuck it. I don't give a fuck if we've been building this up for a year. Uh, But, like, with Luger, I think it was just... it, it, It kind of baffles me that, like, Hogan got along better with Luger than he did Sting. Yeah. But I think it was just also Luger was more of a... I don't think Luger... Like, they say that Luger's a diva and he was, you know, hard to do business with. I've never seen How? it. Yeah. I haven't seen it. Besides people talking... That's what I'm saying. His legacy, and I hope we did it justice, because I think his legacy is much more than what these assholes act like it is. And people just try to say that he was this, you know, greedy dick that didn't care about anything but himself. And uh, they act like that means that his contributions to the wrestling business don't mean as much. Like even Michael Hayes on that round table, how many years ago when he's like, he did draw some money. It's like, no, he drew a lot of money. And, and like you said, that rating was huge when he won the title. Yeah. He was a big star in a few places. So I just, uh, I hope he gets his credit one day. I think he will. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, and he's, you know, somebody that, uh, you know, I mean, if we ever make it big enough, maybe we can get him on the show. Yeah. No, I feel you. I mean, there's enough people that, I'm, I think we know enough people that might actually live near him to where they can just, you know, Maybe, you know, stop by his house and be like, hey, we need you to do something. Yeah. Absolutely. So that was the top ten matches and moments. Yeah. For Lex Luger. That was, those were some really good moments. Yeah. He was the total package, and uh, he's always going to be remembered to me as one of the better professional wrestlers of all time. Yeah. So uh, you want to go with the plugs? We'll get the fuck out of here. Sure. Uh, all right. Listen to Boxman and Smart, the wrestling outlet on YouTube, Wednesdays, 10, 15, 10, 20 Eastern time, Saturday or Sundays, 9, 30 PM Eastern time for the Hollywood hangout. Also on YouTube, Friday nights, listen to us, blogtalkradio.com slash everything unscripted for the unscripted wrestling podcast. Uh, you know, let's let you start picking some shows. What do you want to do next Friday? <laughs> What do I want to do next Friday? What do I want to do next Friday? That's what I'm asking. All right. We'll do the other plugs first, and then I'll tell you. Okay. All right. Tomorrow night, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, Unscripted Unlimited. Uh, we're going to be talking the movie The Replacements. 
uh, be watching the movie um, and then uh, review. Well, we're going to watch the movie tomorrow afternoon, then review it. Sharon's going to help us out uh, with that because uh, the replacements, of course, a movie from the year 2000. It's a football movie. It's about uh, replacement players. Yes. Uh, taken over because it was actually based loosely on the 1987 strike. So it's a good movie. It stars Keanu Reeves, Gene Hackman, John Favreau. Favreau. He was good in that movie. Yeah, he was. Well, we'll talk about it tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, Sunday, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, Daniel and Mindy Scaredy Cats. We're doing a movie. Okay. We're going to talk about it, too. All right. Cool. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Beautiful. All right. 7 p.m. Eastern Time, Monday night. Top the 10. Web cave. Yeah, the web cave, me and Bobino. We're going to be talking about the top 10 uh, comic book movie writers and, well, comic book filmmakers of all time. Okay. So your Zack Snyder's, your Christopher Nolan's, your Tim Burton's, people like that. Gotcha. So that'll be fun. And then I think Eric comes back from his uh, vacation this week. So either Wednesday or Thursday, blogtalkradio.com, so everything in scripted, probably around 6 or 7 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, Hard Hits will be back, I'm pretty sure. I'm not 100% sure because, uh, to be honest, I have no idea when the hell Eric's coming back from the screws. Uh uh, next week, I want to do an Elimination Chamber tier list. Okay. So that's what we're going to do. Yeah, that, that sounds it, that sounds like a lot of fun because Elimination Chamber is another one of those fun matches that, uh, you know, it's pretty much the next evolution of uh, Hell in a Cell. Exactly. And it's a fun time. Yeah. So that's what we're going to do. Uh, can we leave now? Yeah. All right. Everybody, we love you. Thank you for supporting the group. Please join the Old School Wrestling Group and uh, leave a review for the podcast and check us out on all major podcast platforms. Uh, I'm Dan. I'm here with Doug, and we'll see you all next time. Later. Toodles.